John chapter 14. It helps if I turn my mic on. That wasn't the sound man's fault. A few weeks ago, we began a series entitled, Jesus is the Great I Am. We've been looking at the great I Am statements here in the Gospel of John, and Jesus Christ is the great I Am. He is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. He is the I Am that Moses spoke of, and we see here that Jesus Christ Himself, He proclaimed Himself as the great I Am. And in being the I Am, Jesus Christ, He came in the flesh, and He He is here in this book. We've been looking at these I Am statements and how He answers life's deepest longings. The hunger, the thirst. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. How that He is there and that He is the door. He is the shepherd. He is the one that keeps us. He is the one that protects us. He is the one that provides for us. And today, as we continue to examine these statements, I want us to look at a statement that we see here in John chapter 14, specifically in verse number 6. We see, I believe, one of the greatest, most compelling statements in all of Scripture. Jesus was very emphatic that as He spoke there to Thomas that in this statement, and listen, we, every one of us, we need to consider it and respond to it. I want you to look there in verse number 6 and notice what He says there once again. Jesus responding to him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Every one of us needs to listen to that statement. We need to consider that statement. We need to respond to that statement. Now, it may appear that Jesus made a simple statement. These few words maybe were simple words or a simple thing. It's not simple at all. What he was saying here is absolute profound when it comes to knowing God and going to heaven. This reveals much of the character and the redeeming work that he literally came to perform. Why Jesus Christ came. He's not merely, by the way, a way, he's not one of the ways, he is the way. He's not some truth or partial truth or a truth. He is the truth. Jesus Christ is absolute truth. And by the way, He's not just more life or good life or some better life. He is life. We need to understand what He's saying here. Such powerful words that have the answer to the deepest longings that men have within their hearts. People are looking for the truth. People are looking for the way. They're looking for the life. And Christ is declaring that He is that. He can fulfill that need within people's hearts. Watchman Nee had this to say about Jesus in his book entitled The Normal Christian Life. He said, quote, The normal Christian life must begin with a very definite knowing, which is not just knowing something about the truth or, nor understanding something about the important doctrine. It's not an intellectual knowledge at all, but an opening of the eyes of the heart to see what we have in Christ. So our first step is to seek from God knowledge that comes by revelation. A revelation that is to say, not of ourselves, but of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not about head knowledge. It's not about knowing about a story. 
It's not even acknowledging the fact that there was a Jesus that came many years ago that died on the cross. It's about something that you have within your heart. It's a heart knowledge. It's knowing that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Knowing that without him you would have no hope of eternal life. Knowing that you've been saved. Knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Having something that's real within your heart, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to examine the certainties of this powerful statement that we see here. I want to consider the way, the truth, and the life that Christ is speaking about here. Would you join me as we have a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the old rugged cross. Lord, we're so thankful for your love for us. Hanging there on that cross to pay our sin debt. Lord, I'm thankful today that you tell us very simply how we can know the way. How we can know that we're going to heaven. How we can have our sins forgiven. How we can be brought back into a right relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that our their Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin today. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would give the right words to be spoken. Lord, I pray that you would have complete control over this service. Lord, I pray for souls to be saved today. Lord, I pray you'd challenge our hearts, Lord, that we would see the need to share what you've given to us. Speak with us now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice here this morning as we break this one verse down, I want to spend our time looking specifically at verse number 6. And the first thing that I notice here is a comforting message. A comforting message. Jesus, look at it. He says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now Jesus Christ, He's speaking to His disciples just hours before His crucifixion. He's getting ready to go to Calvary. He's getting ready to die on a cross. He's getting ready to give Himself and to pay the debt of sin and not His sin. He was tempted in all points as we are and was yet without sin. He was perfect. He was holy. He was God in the flesh. He was Emmanuel. He's revealing to His disciples. He's trying to encourage them. Let not your heart be troubled. He's going to go prepare a place for them. And He's telling them that as He goes to prepare that place for them, He's wanting them to understand that He's doing it for them because of His love for them. Not just them, by the way. It's for us as well. And he says that I'm going, and you can go too. That's what he's saying here. I'm going, and you can go too. And I want you to notice how Thomas, he replies. We just read here, and you know, we always call Thomas, Thomas the Doubter. I think there's a lot of people that might have the name Thomas, though. I don't always believe everything that God says the first time. You all with me this morning? Sometimes we do doubt. We ought not doubt. We ought to trust God. But the truth is, you can't blame Thomas for saying, we don't know the way, Lord. You're talking about something I don't understand. What are you saying? Boy, aren't you thankful that God doesn't get angry with us when we ask the question, what do you mean? Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way, he says to him. And Jesus, he responds with this profound statement. And in this statement, first of all, we see that he reveals that He is the way. He is the way. Now bear in mind the question of Thomas as we consider this statement. He's asking, how can we know the way? And Christ is saying, I am the way. 
I am the way. Now, remember, Thomas, he was not a novice. Thomas had been following Christ. Thomas had been taught. Thomas, he had had a religion that was taught to him of the prophets and what they had said. For centuries, the prophets had prophesied of the coming of Christ. They were looking for the Messiah. They were prophesying about it. They stood as God's representative to man. That's who they were. They were representing the Word of God. They were saying, thus saith the Lord. And they were representing God to man. And they pointed the way to God. While these had revealed the way to God, the coming of Christ and His atoning sacrifice, none prior to Christ could provide the way. There were those that had come and said they were the Messiah, but they weren't. They had lied. Nobody could lead people as Christ did. Nobody could do what Christ did. Nobody could save people as Christ did. None prior to Christ could provide the way to God. And Jesus declared unto Thomas that He was the way. Once again, He was not just a way. He wasn't one of many ways. He wasn't even the best way. He was the only way to God. We have to understand that. We live in a world today that that talks about there are no absolutes. We live in a world today that tries to say there are many ways that lead to God and every one of them is just as valid as the other. Now listen, it's not what I think. It's not about what you think. It's what the Word of God says that is truth. It's not about what they say on TV. It's not what the televangelist says on TV. There are some that even say, well, there's many ways that lead to heaven. That's not what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ made it very clear. He declared unto Thomas and obviously declared unto us that He is the way. He is the way. We must come by and through Him and Him alone. Plus nothing, minus nothing. He was the way unto eternal life and and, and for our residence to be in heaven, it must be through Jesus Christ. He was the door. He was the path. He was the way to eternal life. You know, it's interesting to note that in the book of Acts, if you go there and you look through the book of Acts and you read about the, the beginning of the church and you reading, read about the, the, the first uh, um, Christians, the first church and the, the apostles and the disciples and those that followed, it's interesting that you see them being identified with the Lord and being described as being in the way. Go look at it sometime. Uh, for instance, on the Damascus Road, where Paul was converted to Christ, he was on a mission to arrest and Im- imprison any he found of this way. Go look at it. Of this way. As Paul testified after his conversion, many years later, Paul testified to the Roman governor regarding the, the resurrection. His name was Felix. And, and Felix is described as having a more perfect knowledge of that way. You can go back and look to it. Acts chapter 22. Go look at it sometime. He had an understanding of it, of that way. They knew what that way was talking about. In the days of the early church, believers were identified as being in the way. The way. These were in Christ is what it's talking about. They were in the way. Hey, listen, I am thankful to have received the grace of God unto salvation, believing the Gospel by faith and being placed in the way. That narrow way that leads to heaven. I'm thankful that I have been in the way because Jesus Christ is the way. I am statement. I am is what he's saying. I am the way. Let me ask you, are you in the way today? No pun intended. Are you in the way today? Are you on the way to heaven? Are you in Christ? Jesus is not one of many ways as the world would say it. 
We must believe in him. He is the way. There are no other avenues to obtain reconciliation to God and forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Jesus is the way. He is the only way. We have to understand that. Secondly, Jesus declared that he was not only the way, but he is the truth as well. He is the truth as well. Again, consider the prophets of old. They had prophesied of the coming Messiah. They prophesied about how that He would come. And they looked through a shaded glass seeing only what God desired them to see. They shared the truth that they knew that God revealed to them, but they never held absolute and complete truth. They didn't understand completely everything as they even prophesied it. They they were looking across and as God would reveal it to them. But Jesus had not come yet. Jesus had not come to reveal. By the way, when He did come, He didn't come to reveal partial truth or even adequate truth. He is the truth, revealing all truth. That's why He came. Jesus was and is the uh, um, embodiment of truth. The absolute embodiment of truth. He was truth robed in flesh. He didn't merely comprehend all truth or convey truth. He revealed truth in the very person of God. He was all God in the flesh and yet was all man. But He was all truth. You see, the eternal God revealed truth to humanity through the incarnation of His Son. He was God incarnate. Truth walked among men, ministered to them, taught them, did miracles amongst them. They saw truth right there before them. In John 1.14, it says this, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. You see, the world declares that truth is relative, and absolute truth does not exist. But we have truth in the person of Jesus Christ. He is truth. So He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the way, I'm the truth. And so um, uh, Jesus Christ, he, he reveals the fact that He is absolute truth. Absolute truth. And then He also says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the life. Jesus Christ, He declared that He was alive. Not, not just a good life, not just a beneficial life, but He is actually the life. And apart from Him, you cannot truly have or know life the way He's talking about it here. Now, we may experience a physical existence. We may be physically alive on this earth, but Christ alone is the source of life everlasting. Spiritual life we're talking about. In Him we enjoy life abundantly, knowing the fullness of His grace and fellowship of His presence. He, listen, He is the one that gives this life to us. He is the life. We have spiritual life in Christ that secures life eternal. And those that are apart from Christ will never experience eternal life. They will only experience eternal death and separation from God eternally in a place called hell. But those, those who have experienced this life we're talking about will never die. will have everlasting life. You know, we may depart from this life and physical death, but the believer will be more alive following that departure than any life experienced on this earth. You know, oftentimes we think about this life and, I mean, how quick it is and how, I mean, it's just but a vapor and it vanishes away. 
I mean, look at your life. Man, this year has been flying by for me. I, I told my kids the other day, I, I feel like my, my, my weeks are turning into days, and my, week, my, weeks are, excuse me, my, my weeks are turning into days, and my months are turning into to weeks. And it feels like it's going faster and faster and faster and faster. And I know the older you get, it feels like it's going faster. There is no doubt about that. But you think about your life as, as compared to eternity. You think about the eons of the future of years that go on for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. What is this life? I mean, it's just a moment. It's a, I mean, it's just like that and it's gone. And there's so many people today that they don't even experience real life in Him. They're, they're going through this rat race of this life and around and around and around and around and trying to get the things of this world that they, can, they can't even keep. They're trying to hold on to those things and the riches of this world they can't keep. Listen, the moment they die, all of it's gone. How long will you live on this earth? There's some that are seated here today that perhaps won't be here next year. I don't like to think like that, but that's the truth. The possibility is that we might not be here tomorrow. Boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. You have no guarantee you'll be here next week. The main question we must ask is where will we be for all eternity? This life is short. It's but a vapor. It vanishes away. Where will you spend eternity? Do you have the real life? The life that's only found in the Lord Jesus Christ because He is life. He is life. In John 10.10 it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We were camping out on this verse last week, but we must be remembered it's not just life more abundantly when you get to heaven, by the way. It's right here and now. God wants us to live the abundant life right now and we can have it. In John 11.25, it says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If the Lord tarries, there's going to come a point in time when each of us are going to take our last breath here on this earth. Every one of us will die, will take that last breath. But he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There's going to come a day when there's going to be a resurrection. Our soul will be with the Lord. We'll be in heaven. That day will come and we'll be there. But then there's going to be a day when there's going to be a resurrection. And I'm going to get me a new body. And that means you're going to get, if you're a child of God, you're going to get a new body. Can we hear an amen about that today? Amen. Once again, the older you get, the more you realize just how wonderful a new body would be. Amen. It's wonderful to think about the resurrection day. But you know, there's also going to be a resurrection of the dead. The great white throne judgment. Those that rejected Christ, those that weren't in the way, that didn't believe in the truth, didn't trust Him as the light. They're going to be resurrected in that old body they still had. That old body that's filled with sin. That old body that's corrupt. That old body that, that has all those pains and all those aches. That old body they stand before the judgment seat there, the great white throne judgment, and they are judged for their deeds. They are judged by their sin on what they had done in this life. And by the way, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some will try to claim that they did many wonderful works in the name of God. They're going to claim they did all kinds of things and yet He's going to say, depart from Me, I never knew you. You never were in the way. 
You never trusted in Christ your Savior. You tried to do these good works. You tried to be a good person. You tried to do religious things. You might have even taught in church. But you never trusted in me as your personal Savior. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. In Romans 5, 21, it says this. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto life, eternal life, unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm so thankful today that I don't have to pay for my penalty of sin. I'm thankful today that I'm not going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. Not because I'm not a sinner. No, listen, it's because I'm a sinner that's been saved by God's grace. God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, you might say. When you talk about grace, that's what you think of. That God has blessed us with His riches at Christ's expense. What was Christ's expense? The expense of Him dying on Calvary's cross for our sin. Taking on Him all of our sin. Being the atoning sacrifice. Being the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, sin causes death, but because of what Christ did on Calvary's cross, we can have eternal life. We can have victory in Him. Here we see, yes, a comforting message. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So comforting. But we also see here the remainder of the verse, we see a convicting mandate. And then he says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, we cannot ignore nor neglect these words that he spoke of. He's speaking of an exclusive way here, you see. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, many have trouble with this statement. Many reject it outright. They refuse to believe what Jesus said about being the only way of salvation. They don't want to believe that. He declared, though, that man's only way of approaching the Father, man's only way of being acceptable unto God was by and through Jesus Christ alone. No one can come to the Father except through Christ the Son. And this provision was made as He offered Himself the atoning sacrifice for our sin. He did it for us. He died for us. He's saying that's what He's going to go and do. See, God demanded sin be judged. God demanded that atonement be made. Sin causes death. Sin against a holy, righteous God must be paid for. Graciously, though, God, He judged the sin of humanity in the body of His Son, Jesus Christ. He didn't spare His only begotten Son, but He offered Him as an atonement for our sin. And Christ alone was worthy to become the sacrifice for our sin. He was the only one that could. I couldn't die for your sin. I'm a sinner just like you are. There's none righteous, no, not one. Speaking of man, there's nobody that does right all the time. But Jesus Christ, He lived an absolute life of perfection. He did all that was required of the law. He fulfilled the law. And He Himself was falsely accused. They accused Him of blasphemy, by the way. 
I say falsely accused because it wasn't false at all, the fact that he was God in the flesh. He was the great I am. He didn't hide the fact. He proclaimed it again and again and again and again. They knew exactly who he said he was. Yet they denied him. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't believe. They arrested him. They beat him. They tortured him. Not for his sin. Not for what he had done. He was perfect. That wasn't even the worst of it. They nailed him to a cross. Can you imagine being nailed? To a beam? Can you imagine nails going through the, the point of your hand right there between the hand and the wrist? Can you imagine as they nailed it through? I mean, can you imagine nailing through your, the, the shins of your feet right there, nailing through to a post of wood? Can you imagine the agony? The crown of thorns? Can you imagine? What he went through. That wasn't even the worst of it. It's when he drank of that cup. A cup being our sin when he took upon himself the sin. My sin, your sin. The sin of the world. The sin. He was holy. He was perfect. And yet he took my sin upon himself. At that time, at that time, for the first time in all eternity past, was there separation between him and his Father in heaven. He had to turn away from that sin. His Father in heaven turned away. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you imagine carrying all the sin of mankind? There's times I carry my own sin, the guilt. Shame. Things that you do that you know are wrong. Can you imagine carrying all the guilt and the shame of all of mankind throughout all time? Can you imagine the weight? But he did it. He hung on that cross. And preparing for it, as he was there in the garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to his father, not my will, but thine be done. He knew why he came. He knew what his job was. He came that he might die, that we might live. He hung there on that cross because it was the only way. It was the only way that we could go to heaven. It was the only way that our sins could be forgiven. It was the only way that we could be reconciled back into a right relationship with God. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It was the only way. He had to pay that debt for us. And it's the only way that you can go to heaven is by trusting in what he's done for you. And I'm so thankful there that we see that the way to God the Father is exclusive through Christ the Son, but it's available for all who will come to Him by faith. It's a decisive way. It's something you can choose to accept. You can decide whether you're going to heaven or hell. 
Before Christ died on the cross, listen, if he never died on that cross, you would have no choice. There would be no hope. You'd be condemned already. But I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And that no man cometh unto the Father but by him. But that tells us that we can come unto the Father by him. You can today. There's no reason to die in your sin. There's no reason to leave this place today without knowing Christ as your personal Savior. Not in some head knowledge. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about knowing inside of your heart that you're a child of God. That you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that Christ died for you. That He paid your sin debt. And you can be saved today. John 1.12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You can receive him today. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You say, preacher, I, I know I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Praise God for that. But I want you to look down inside your heart. I'm not talking about something you know in your head. I'm saying down deep inside of your heart. Have you been born again? When Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh to the Father but by me, you have to say this as well. Listen now. This is exactly what he's talking about. You can't add anything to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You can't take away anything from the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. It all must be through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me explain what I'm talking about. There are some people say, I believe that Jesus Christ died, but I have to be good enough in order to receive my salvation. That's not the way. That's not the truth, and that's not the life. That is man-made desire, religion, trying to somehow appease a holy, righteous God. That's under the law still. You cannot fulfill the law because you're not perfect. You have to put complete faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, that His blood was shed for your sin, that He died for you, and then He was buried, and He rose again the third day, victorious, conquering death in the grave. Believing that he died for you. The Bible says this that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a believing in our hearts that Christ died for us. Believing that He paid our sin debt, that He was buried, and that He rose again, and by faith trusting in Him alone. There are a lot of people today that say, well, I hope I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. The only one that was good enough to ever go to heaven was the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he allowed himself to take our sin debt and pay for it. To appease a holy, righteous God. To appease the demands of judgment. You see, God doesn't just look at our sin and say, 
I'm going to just say it doesn't exist. That's not what happened. God looked at the sin that you have committed. God looked at the sin of mankind, and he saw there was no way. He knew before the foundation of the world, by the way, that he was going to have to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay our sin debt. Listen, God is a holy judge, and God is going to judge sin, and God chose to allow his son to pay that debt for us. God judged my sin on Calvary's cross. But for you to be able to receive what Christ did on Calvary's cross, you have to accept Him as the way, the truth, and the life. You have to trust Him as your personal Savior. You have to come to know Him in your heart, knowing Him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get any more plain than that. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said. There's not many ways that lead to heaven. There's not religion that leads you to heaven. It is by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and trusting in Him alone as your personal Savior. Do you remember the day that you trusted in Him? Earlier we sang a song, I got saved. Man, I remember the day that I got saved. I remember the guilt. I remember the weight. I was young, but I still felt it. I remember the fear. I was afraid to put my head down on that pillow and go to sleep because I might die in the night and end up in hell. I remember that day. I remember that night when I trusted in Christ as my Savior. When the Word of God was opened up and I realized, yes, I knew I was a sinner. And I also realized that Christ had died for me. And I just did simply what the Word of God says. I believed in my heart that Jesus died for me and that he rose again. And I confess with my mouth, I prayed. I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me. I asked him to come into my heart, in my life. And I'll tell you what he did. He came into my life. He made me his son. At that very moment, I was born again. I was made a child of God. My sins were forgiven. No longer do I have to worry about where I would spend eternity. I know I'm going to heaven based on the promise from God's Word. I am in the way. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior because He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. But by Him. But by what are you trusting in to get you to heaven? What's your faith in today? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we're so thankful.